Searching for last-minute gifts? Shop the last-minute deal sale at Virginia ABC and save 20% on select 750-milliliter bottles. That's 20% off gifts for the hard to shop for. 20% off gifts guaranteed to fit. 20% off gifts to celebrate the season. And 20% off a little gift for yourself. Shop the last-minute deal sale at Virginia ABC. In stores and online now through December 21st. Please sip responsibly. This is the American Veteran Show. Proud to finally say these two words. Welcome home. Dedicated to those who have worn the uniform. Tremendous national asset. Dedicated to our active duty men and women. They came not as conquerors, but as liberators. Dedicated to presenting issues, topics, and interviews highlighting their commitment to our country. I want to thank the courageous men and women who've served their country in uniform. Less than 1% population of our country chooses to serve our country in the military and the other 99% of us we owe them online at americanveteranshow.com here's Stephen Tubbs welcome to this week's edition of the American Veteran Show thank you as always for making us a part of your Sunday afternoon our producer Matt Steinkruger of course does a fabulous job every week and If you should maybe hear just part of today's program or you wonder, what did they do like uh, eight weeks ago? Just go to AmericanVeteranShow.com, click on past shows, and every show we have done is right there as a podcast. We could not do programs like this without our presenting sponsor. And uh, from his office and John Boson personally, they want to wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Attorney John Boson and his team fighting on behalf of veterans every single day. They are, they are a presenting sponsor, and they have been with us for years. John, thank you. BosonLaw.com, B-O-E-S-E-N Law.com, BosonLaw.com, their number, 303-999-9999. The first couple of segments, we would be doing you a disservice if we did not, for the first half of the program, and overall dedicate this program to an incredible public servant, the late Senator Bob Dole. He passed away one week ago today. And late last week, a couple of things. His coffin lie in state under the rotunda at the United States Capitol. And then on Friday, the eulogies were brilliant. The respects were paid at the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C. And just before we get into both of those events from just a few days ago, Bob Dole, that kid from Russell, Kansas, He joined the United States Army's Enlisted Reserve Corps back in 1942 to fight in World War II. He became a second lieutenant. He was with the Army's 10th Mountain Division. Then in April 1945, as the war was winding down, but did our men in harm's way really truly know that? But it was in southwest Italy that Bob Dole was seriously wounded by a German shell that Well, it struck his upper back and right arm. It shattered his collarbone and part of his spine. He would later say, quote, I lay face down in the dirt. I could not see or move my arms. I thought they were missing. Ladies and gentlemen, we lost one of the very few remaining former politicians who served as part of the greatest generation in World War II. 
that kid from Kansas was just 21 years old. He was paralyzed from the neck down, and he was taken to a military hospital eventually near Kansas. He had blood clots. There was infection, fever of almost 109 degrees, and he was expected to die. And he overcame everything, and he would become one of the 20th century's great public servants. So we pay tribute and honor the late Senator Bob Dole from the United States Capitol Rotunda on Thursday. He belongs here, in this place, in this temple of liberty to liberty and to temple to possibilities. Bob Dole loved this capital. It's where he served the nation, shaped by the figures that surround us. Now, he first ran in politics back in 1950, elected to the Kansas House of Representatives. He served two terms. Then came the aspirations of maybe going a little bit bigger in his political career. Bob Dole was elected to the United States Congress from the 6th District of Kansas in 1960. He served both in the House and, of course, the United States Senate. He voted in favor of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and 1968. He helped later in his political career ensure that there was a national holiday for the late Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. And if you listen to our regular program, you know that there may be no bigger critic in Colorado on the airwaves. Uh, No bigger critic than me when it comes to President Joe Biden. And I think it is only fitting, appropriate, and most importantly, accurate that the President of the United States just two days ago delivered an outstanding eulogy. Reverend clergy, distinguished guests, among the many memories from 50 years of friendship, there's one that especially captures what Bob Dole was as a man and, in my view, as a patriot. We were on our way to the 50th anniversary of D-Day in Normandy, but we started in Italy, in Anzio. Much of has been written about his time in Anzio, but to be there with him felt significantly different. He was on a mission in the mountains. Nazi gunfire and mortar fire was thick. A man was dying. Men were dying. Facing a hail of bullets, Second Lieutenant Robert Joseph Dole hurled a grenade into an empty gun nest. He was trying to help a fallen comrade, his platoon radio man, when everything changed. And I mean everything changed. His spine was damaged because fire tore across the hills, shattering his body. Grievously wounded, he was paralyzed. Dragged behind a wall, Bob would pass in and out of consciousness, dreaming of home as he lay bleeding in the foxhole 
for nearly nine hours. He was 21 years old. Nearly eight decades on, we gather here in a world far different from the mountains battlefield in 1949-45. But there's something, there's something that connects that past and present, wartime and peace, then and now. The courage, the grit, the goodness, and the grace of Second Lieutenant named Bob Dole, who became Congressman Dole, Senator Dole, statesman, husband, father, friend, colleague, and a word that's often overused but not here, a genuine hero, Bob Dole. It's been said that memory is the power to gather roses in winter. Bob left you with 45 years' worth of roses of a life built and a love shared that's going to guide you through the difficult days ahead. Jill and I will always be there for you, as many others in this church will be, as you and Bob were always there for us in ways nobody knows. And Robin, you carry your father's pride, grace, and character. President Biden from the National Cathedral on Friday will have the second part of his eulogy. We've cut it up into two parts. Coming up next segment on the American Veteran Show as we pay tribute and dedicate the program to the late kid from Kansas, Russell, Kansas, Senator Bob Dole. We're off and running now. Stay with us. This is the American Veteran Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com. The moral challenges of our time can seem less clear. They still demand conviction and courage and character. If we remember this, then America will always be the country of tomorrow. For every day is a new beginning, and every life is an instrument of God's justice. May God bless you and each inhabitant of this house, and may God bless America. At every stage of my life, I've been a witness to the greatness of this country. Even playing a small role, I have seen American soldiers bring hope and leave graves in every corner of the world. I have seen this nation overcome depression and segregation and communism, turning back mortal threats to human freedom. Stood in awe of American courage and decency. Now, back to the American Veteran Show. Here's Stephen Tubbs. As we continue this Sunday on the American Veteran Show, hopefully you heard our first segment, but if you're just clicking on, we dedicate this program to the late Senator Bob Dole. But maybe most importantly, and what shaped his life, and he certainly until his final breath felt the impact of his service in World War II. The young man born July 22, 1923 in Russell, Kansas, would later go on, of course, to enlist and serve in World War II. And it was on an April day in 1945 in Italy 
an area of World War II and battles fought and lives lost that so many people just simply not forget, but maybe they glance over, but not Bob Dole. As we continue, last Friday from the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C., the President of the United States, Joe Biden, in my estimation, delivered a tremendous and respectful eulogy. I found Bob to be a man of principle, pragmatism, and enormous integrity. He came into the arena with certain guiding principles to begin with devotion to country, to fair play, to decency, to dignity, to honor, to literally attempting to find the common good. That's how he worked with George McGovern to fight hunger in America, particularly as it affected children and around the world. He worked with Teddy Kennedy and Tom Harkin to bring down the barriers of Americans living with disabilities. A profound change and a profound act of grace. He worked with Daniel Patrick Moynihan to literally save Social Security because Bob believed every American deserved to grow old with their basic dignity, basic dignity intact. And over the opposition of many in his own party, and some in mine, he managed to build or create the federal holiday in the name of Martin Luther King Jr. Bob Dole, Bob Dole did that. He never forgot where he came from, and I never forgot what he said to our colleagues about the effort for the King holiday. And I'll quote, he said, No first-class democracy can treat people like second-class citizens. No first-class democracy can treat people like second-class citizens. Bob didn't hate government. Knew the people who needed it most were the people most in need. He wanted government to work. To work for folks like him who came up the hard way. Just give everybody a chance, Joe. Just a chance. During the Depression, Bob's parents moved into the basement of their three-room, not three-bedroom, their three-room home in Russell, Kansas, so they could rent out, quote, the upstairs. Bob understood hardship. He had known hardship. And he never, he never forgot it. He never forgot the people as well who sent him to Washington. People from Russell and from Kansas. Bob was a man who always did his duty. Who lived by a code of honor. Almost seems strange to say that today, but he lived by a code of honor. And he meant it. Just as his colleagues, Republican and Democrat, looked at him, I think they saw him the same way I did. Just ask any who served with him at the time. Bob Dole, fit my dad's description, he said, 
You must be a man of your word. Without your word, you're not a man. Bob Dole was a man of his word. He loved his country, which he served his whole life. As I said, he was always honest. But Bob relished a good political fight, as much as anybody I've ever served with in the 36 years I was in the Senate. And Bob gave as good or better than he got. He was a proud Republican. He chaired his party. He led its caucus in the United States Senate. And he bore the banner as its nominee for vice president and president of the United States. He could be partisan, and that was fine. Americans have been partisan since Jefferson and Hamilton squared off in George Washington's cabinet. But like them, Bob Dole was a patriot. He was a patriot. And here's what his patriotism teaches us, in my view. As Bob Dole himself wrote at the end of his life, and I quote him, I cannot pretend that I have not been a loyal champion of my party, but I've always served my country best when I did so first and foremost as an American. End of quote. Bob said that whenever he started a new journey, whenever he started a new journey, the first thing he would do, and I quote, is sit back and watch for a few days. Then start standing up for what he thought was right. End of quote. Bob was taking his final journey. He's sitting back now watching us. Now it's our job to start standing up for what's right for America. I salute you, my friend. Your nation salutes you. And I believe the words of the poet R.G. Ingersoll when he described heroism better fit you than anyone I know. And Ingersoll wrote the following. When the will defies fear, when duty throws the gauntlet down to fate, when honor scorns to compromise with death, that is heroism. The flights of angels, things that sing thee to thy rest, Bob. God bless Bob Dole. God bless America. May God protect our troops. From last Friday at the National Cathedral, President Biden delivering to me, maybe one of his toughest critics, certainly in Colorado media. It was a beautiful, poignant and very well delivered eulogy in honor of an incredible American. I had the opportunity to interview Bob Dole, believe in 1996. And over the years, a couple of times, his now widow, Elizabeth, or Libby Dole, both incredible Americans. Mr. Dole, we salute you. We honor your service to the United States of America, and most importantly, for being a member of the greatest generation. We thank you and are forever in your debt 
for your service. show we continue now with stefan tubbs as we continue this week on the american veteran show this entire program dedicated to the memory of world war ii veteran longtime public servant congressman senator bob dole hope you enjoyed the first two segments and even for those of you that tune in and say i don't want to listen to joe biden i think you're doing yourself a disservice because me the biggest critic certainly on this station of Joe Biden, I think you hopefully would agree with me that that was a tremendous eulogy. But we switch gears now. And as we head toward the holidays, it's nice to just kind of take a a different path as we wrap up the year. And thanks to uh, producer Matt Steinkruger finding this audio. And I think you're going to find this interview tremendous. The gentleman you're about to hear was a Confederate general In the Civil War, he was born in 1846, would enlist for the Confederacy and fight in the Civil War. This interview was conducted with Mr. Julius Howell back in 1947, when Mr. Howell was 101 years of age. He was born on the 17th day of January, 1846. I go back as far as we along in the early 50s. My first recollection of public living, and especially political living, as I may call it, was when I learned as a boy of nine or ten that my home was in, in the state of Virginia. I didn't know about states before that time. Then time passed pretty rapidly because I was attending high school, and I remember distinctly the occasion when the John Brown, the poor man, sought freedom for the slaves. He's there in my state. I heard about it pretty distinctly. I felt sorry and yet sympathizing with my elders, I felt some resentment. Now, while some in my section, Southeast Virginia, I knew of some brutality, as I call it, exercised toward some of the Negro slaves. As a whole, the Negroes got along very well. Now, my father's Negroes, why I associated with them, that being the baby of the family, I didn't have any white children for associates. Therefore, I played around with the Negro children. Four years passed by. Then came up the great struggle when the Republican Party had become a a power in the land. But 
my neighbors around there, some of them who were over 45, kinsmen of mine, some of them, began to uh, just get up, to get up a, a company of cavalry. And I, a boy of 16 and a half years old, joined the cavalry company, which afterwards was attached and counted with others among the 24th Virginia Cavalry. We marched out of Richmond early the next morning, on the 3rd, and started in a southeasterly direction. I really didn't know which way, uh, which way you know, where we were going, but afterwards it showed that we were attempting, under General Ewell's command, to uh, come in contact with General Lee somewhere down uh, southwest of Petersburg. Well, the Federals under General Sheridan overtook us, our command of about 3,000, at in Emilia, at in Emilia County, Virginia, and after fighting several hours, why, General Ewell surrendered us, and thus I became a captive. I went to prison along with this command, and we landed in Point Lookout, Maryland, down here. And the day after we reached there, as a curious boy, I arose pretty early. We'd just gotten there the afternoon before. I arose pretty early and went out to see how things looked around in there. There were 20,000 of us, a large encampment. Happening to look across in one direction, I don't know which, well, there was a flagpole and a flag on it just rising. I stopped and looked at it with curiosity. It stopped when it got halfway. Well, I knew what halfway uh, flag on a pole meant. I looked at it. I thought, well, the rope that handles that flag must have a knot in it, and I'll see a man presently going up that pole to untangle it. I waited a whole minute, and I casually turned my face in another direction, and there was another flag pole with flag half mast already. So I put my head in the tent. Uh, there were five, six others of us. I said, boys, there must be some big Yankee dead. I wonder who it can be. Of course, we had no means of knowing. And then we waited for about an hour. The sergeant blew a bugle. We, 150 of my company, fell in. And as soon as he finished calling our name, a number of us rushed up and said, Sergeant, what does the half flag mean? His face fell. He says, President Lincoln was shot last night. Well, the, uh, the feeling, the variety of feeling that came over us 20,000 men in just that one. Of course, there were several other prisons, as you know. But as for me, and a boy, just 19, I didn't know what to think. I couldn't feel any hatred toward Mr. Lincoln, especially. I didn't feel any special hatred toward any federal soldier. And when I began to think how kindly General Grant afterwards on the 9th acted toward General Lee, I, uh, I felt kindly toward him. Now, comes up the question of what we Southern soldiers fought for. My friends, as a boy of 16 and a half years old, I didn't think about any abolition of slavery. My mind wasn't developed enough to take in what the politicians had in mind. And hence, 
there was no trouble as to the freedom of the slaves. About half of the Negroes, my father the Negroes, left and went to Norfolk to be under, as they considered, protection, but another half, 40, 50 of them, remained and cultivated the crops until after the war. The South did not fight for the preservation or extension of slavery. General Lee, as is well known, was making arrangements to free his Negroes, and his father-in-law had already drawn up a part of his will, free his Negroes. My friend, it was a great curse on this country that we had slavery, and I thank God that I did not bring up my boys and girls under a system of slavery under which I was brought under. What did you boys fight for then? Here's what great many people do not know. That as a young man that way, I couldn't understand it fully. But I look back now and see my part in it and saw what we struggled for. And that was for states' rights. For states' rights. And as that many of you know, immediately after the war, the rights of the various states, well, especially in the South, were very much curtailed, if I may use that word. And since then, I have noticed you let things come up that encroach on the ordinary states' rights which we have preserved, and we find that the North the boys that wore the blue are with us in preservation of the state's rights. Isn't that just incredible? I mean, sure, maybe he didn't fight for the side that, say, if I was back in that time, I would have fought for it. But absolutely outstanding. And again, may we always remember the good, the bad, and the ugly. We will wrap up this weekend's American Veteran Show dedicated to the late Senator Bob Dole. By looking at, I guarantee you, something that over his lifetime he watched. And that would be the Army-Navy game. Yesterday was the 122nd installment. And of course, as we record this, we don't know the outcome of the game. You do. But regardless, we will take a look as CBS Sports puts together just amazing opens. We want to wrap the show up with that. That comes up next on the American Veteran Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com. Part of what makes me so proud to be an American is a constant effort of our people to do better, to make our country right and good and just. I have been beaten before, and no doubt will again. But I have never been defeated, and never will be. This is the American Veteran Show, online at AmericanVeteranShow.com. Here's Stephen Tubbs. As we wrap up this weekend's program, as we get toward the holidays, I hope you are slowly but surely getting into the holiday spirit. We will be around for one more brand new episode this year. We'll have the best of for the next couple of weeks after that. And then our final month of the season five. Holy cow. In February, we will kick off season six of this program. Yesterday, it was Army-Navy at East Rutherford, New Jersey. And 
you right now know the outcome. As we record this program, we don't. But in the end, does it really matter? Because this has been more of a football game for well more than a century. These two opens produced over the years by CBS Sports. You have a most important responsibility to recognize that your education is just beginning to play the role that the country hopes and needs and expects from you. But the life of service is a constant test of your will to place the needs of your country above all else. When you watch your contemporaries indulging the urge for material gain, comfort, and personal advancement, your choice will seem hard. Never forget, however, that the battle for freedom takes many forms. Those who, through vigilance and firmness and devotion, are the great servants of this country. But you must be more than the servants of national policy. You must understand not only this country, but other countries. You must be a scientist and an engineer and a physicist. You must know something about strategy and tactics and logistics, but also economics and politics and diplomacy and history. Your posture and your performance will provide many people the only evidence they will ever see as to whether America is truly dedicated to the cause of justice and freedom. You know, a lot of people say that I sacrificed a lot to come to West Point and that I didn't get to live out the normal college experience. There's a lot of sacrifices you make. Get up there. To be here, it requires great discipline. You know, we have to put our priorities in order. It's going to be a lot of late nights and a lot of studying, a lot of summer breaks that you're going to miss. Uh, mentally, physically, morally, my everyday life as a civilian, uh, it changed. You know, we're going to be defending the Constitution and our democracy and our way of life, and we're going to be doing it together with the guys across from us on the field. Army-Navy game is unique just because of what each of these schools represent and what we came here to do. It's bigger than just college football. You know, to go out there and, and go against guys that have signed up to do the exact same thing that you've done. <sighs> I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about playing. First thing you learn when you show up is to beat these guys. That's what you sign up to do. Sign up to beat Army. Everything we do is beat Navy. It's written on every brick, every stone. Off the field, they're our brothers, but on the field, we want to compete. We're all going to be on the same team one day, which makes this rivalry different than most. In the years to come... Some of you will go to the far reaches of space, and some will go to the bottom of the ocean. What you have chosen to do for your country, by devoting your life to the service of our country, is the greatest contribution that you could make. Yeah, I don't think I've had any regrets. I have no regrets at all. I have no regrets in the choices I made. No, not one. In serving the American people, you represent the American people and the best of the ideals of this free society. This nation salutes you, and I thank you. Again, just a fabulous, almost a theatrical video production, and I still think it sounds great just listening to it and the audio. Again, these opens to the Army-Navy game yesterday, the 122nd time Army-Navy has played each other. These opens by CBS Sports. From the very beginning, it's always started the same way. For every one of them, across generations, 
across eras, across history. Over more than a century, they've all waited to get the same word, to get word that they've been chosen. Chosen to sacrifice. Are you kidding me? To dedicate. There's a letter. To serve. Dear Mr. Elliot. Dear Mr. E. Dear Mr. Holden. You've been selected for a mission. And authorized to report to the United States Naval to Academy. The United States Military Academy. On the 9th of July, 1960. 1941, 4, 10 on 12 July, 2001. Annapolis, Maryland. West Point, New York. So proud of you, son. Are you sure about this? Yeah. Only they know what it feels like to be a different kind of kid. The kind of kid willing to risk life for country. So many people ask, why would he ever commit to going to this type of an institution? It's scary as a parent. It's something I think every parent thinks about. But you're proud of him on the other hand, you know. They're actually giving up a lot of themselves to support and protect everyone else. How many people can say that that's what their kid decides to do? It's in his heart, and it has to be in your heart to defend the country. You can expect to be challenged academically, physically, morally. Uh, your summers <laughs> basically don't exist. You miss out on the kids' holidays. It's not going to be an easy journey. You have your academics, you have your military duty, and you have football. Yes, it is just a game but a game that epitomizes everything they're here for. It's the only game that everyone's playing in it. They're willing to die for everyone who's watching it. Since 1890, the Army-Navy game has embodied the timeless commitment of a group of young men and women to the nation and the ideals that both academies serve. War heroes, presidents, and Heisman winners have all graced this stage. Enemies for one day, who know their calling will unite them when they leave the field just as their stories do wherever in America they began. Now fly New Jersey. Chicago, Illinois. Phoenix, Arizona. Nashville, Tennessee. Our son is Jackson Dittman. James Nautical, number 19. Johnny Trainer, Number 6. Andrew Wood, number 61. Go Daisy! Lead Army! Fort Atkinson Go is cheering for us. Come on, Mark, you got this! Back to back. We can do this. Kick the butt! Go Army! Never forget how it all starts for them. Never forget what it takes to decide as a kid that your life is going to be about more than just yourself. You're a mother, you're always gonna worry. That's her first one. She carried them around for, for 40 weeks. They would do whatever it took to protect our country. It's tough. Once he decided and thought that this was right for him, I supported him 100%. He knew it was the place for him, so I really just tried to embrace that. I'm not going to be selfish. That's the unselfish thing for your kids. You let them go. you got to let them go. From the very beginning, it's always started the same way. Across generations. Across eras. They've gotten word that they've been chosen to sacrifice to dedicate, to serve. And they've headed off to West Point, in Annapolis. 
It takes a certain kind of kid to commit to these institutions. Now today in a football game, celebrate the courage of every man and woman to ever make that commitment. This is Army-Navy. And of course, it would be very difficult for us to take sides. So, go Army! Go Navy! (laughs) That's the kind of program we are. We salute all of you. We hope that you will share this program, especially as we have dedicated it to the late Senator Bob Dole, an incredible public servant, a member of the greatest generation, and a disabled World War II veteran and a hero. We'll join you next week. For producer Matt Steinkruger, I'm Stefan Tubbs. Have a terrific week ahead. Get in that holiday spirit. Thank a veteran. Thank an active duty service member. And remember our troops. The American Veteran Show is a copyrighted production of Mountain Time Media Group, LLC. All rights reserved. For more information, visit AmericanVeteranShow.com. Join us next week for another edition of The American Veteran Show. Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash get100 and use code get100. That's code get100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.